Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey, and ladies and gentlemen listening, thank you for tuning in to Locked On Mariners today. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's edition of Diamond Quiz a bit more than the three contestants. I gotta tone down the difficulty, I think. I don't know what happened, but in any case, I am glad that you are here listening to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other wonderful programs here on Tloppin. Follow the show on Twitter at L-O underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter at D-C underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you are scoring at home. We are talking Mariners draft today. The Mariners had six draft selections in the draft last week. And here to discuss these draft picks is the real host of Locked on Angels, Jason Hernandez. This is Taylor Blake Ward here today. Taylor, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Um, I listened to Diamond Quiz, and uh, man, I would have stomped those fools. I would have <laughs> curb stomped them and, and called their mother after. You know, I'm not surprised in the slightest, to be honest with you, <laughs> considering how well you did in the in your two previous appearances on the show, where you absolutely killed Jason Hernandez, and what did you score, 185 or something that show? I don't I, remember. I, I know I did well. You, That's all I know. You did <laughs> very, I, very well, I yes. I the uh, official runner-up of the champions. That is true. That is true. That is true. Sully still holds the top score, though, I will point that out, but uh, you did beat him in the game where you were head-to-head, so there is that. Fair enough. He he stopped me when I was at the zoo, so well, I'll give him that one. He he got me good when I was uh, I was sitting next to a tiger. I'll go with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the ti- I'm not the tiger king. I'm the tiger prince. There you go. There you go. And uh, I just happen to like frosted flakes, so there's that. In any case, let's get to the draft. <laughs> Mariner's first pick was Emerson Hancock out of Georgia, right-handed pitcher, six foot four, two hundred thirteen pounds. He was ranked number four, and the Mariners took him at number six, and they were very happy that they fell to number six. They were kind of tracking him from the very beginning, from what I understand, Taylor. And uh, tell us some more about this, Kay. Let's get to know the next Mariners pitching prospect. Yeah, the Mariners weren't the only ones tracking him. I mean, he, uh, in February going into the spring, I think a lot of people expected him to be a potential first overall pick. There was a lot of excitement about Emerson Hancock, and I was talking to a, a scouting director who was picking um, in the late uh, top ten, I told him, I said, hey, you know, if you're not getting Emerson Hancock, they almost did. I mean, it was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> had had a bit of a downspring. Um, wasn't exactly what was expected out of him. Uh, there was some velocity jumps where he'd be really good in the first inning, and then the velocity would drop off uh, in the second, third innings. Mm. Just an interesting spring. Early year for him just wasn't what was expected, but there's a lot of upside at Emerson Hancock. Big physical kid. Um, I think most of the projection is kind of – I think he's filled out pretty well, as you noted. He's 6'4 and about 215 pounds. Uh, pretty well filled out. There may be some a little bit more in the tank, but this guy runs it up really fast. You know, he has a great fastball, has a good feel for uh, some secondaries. His slider is one of the better pitches in the draft, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Uh, compliments that with a good curveball. The changeup, I think, is just more using it more. I think he has to 
show that he uses it more. Um, didn't have to really utilize it when he was at Georgia, and Georgia's a program that really relies on winning. I mean, they're a good development program, but they rely on winning, and when he can work with his fastball-slider combination, mix in his curve a little bit, doesn't really have to go to that changeup as much. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I really like about him, uh, a very good athlete. Very good athlete. Um, if I'm remembering right in high school, he was a two-sport athlete. I couldn't tell you what that second sport was, but you know, you get an athletic guy with that kind of stuff, that's a premier arm. And there's a reason why he went six overall, was expected to possibly be a top 10 pick, even upwards of being the first overall pick. And, uh, you know, you see the ranking systems. Everyone had him inside the top 10. You know, everyone's different, but mm-hmm. I believe MLB had him the highest at four. I believe or, uh, Baseball America had him five or six, something like that. There's a reason for that. Very talented young man who – uh, you know, we can get into the knocks a little bit and, and the next question, but, you know, very, very uh, strong talent. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about specifically, Taylor, was his delivery, which uh, Jason Hernandez and I both noted looked pretty smooth. But the one thing in his delivery that I did not necessarily like is how his back foot crossed over his front foot after he had finished which was in some of the video I saw, and then it looked like it may have started to be coached out of him over the last couple of seasons. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I I think it's a development project. You go from a thrower to a pitcher. And Mm -hmm. in in his early years, he was a a very good pitcher, but more of a thrower. And and we see that with the velocity and what happens with his slider, things like this. Um, but I think developmental-wise, I think that's something you can kind of kink out, and that's going to help him throw more strikes. He doesn't have a problem throwing strikes. One of the best uh, strike throwers in this class, I think, um, even by the metrics, I think shows that he was walking two or less than two per nine on a regular basis, throws a lot of strikes. So you get a guy with that kind of stuff that has the ability to throw strikes and command strikes within the zone or command uh, his pitches within the zone, mm-hmm. that I think is kind of what you're looking at with the delivery. Um, not not as alarming for me. You know, it's uh, – yeah, there's, a, there's something you got to see, but I think that's a developmental item that could be fixed. Okay, sure. The thing for me is um, that it doesn't put you in good fielding position. And, you know, I'm still a little bit old school. I want my pitchers to be able to field a little bit. Plus, if when his back is completely turned to the hitter, that was a little dangerous, considering that if a ball's coming right at him, he's not going to have the best reaction time. But, again, as you say, if that can be coached out, and it looks like it started to be coached out, then that probably isn't going to be a problem. Uh, And that's also a thing, just real quick, and I'm sorry to cut you off. That's another item where the athleticism is going to come into play. I mean, he is a very good athlete. So the ability to field pitchers uh, after the fact, and and if you can get him through that kind of mechanical adjustment, um, you know, this is a guy that is going to be quick to first base covering the the bag. um, And I I don't see a lot of problems with him fielding-wise, and I think that's the reason for me is is primarily that athleticism. Yeah, no, that's that's a terrific point. Um, and you said some. Let's bring up some of the the I guess downside. I want to say because there's a downside to just about every player, unless that player happens to be Mike Trout. But um, Emerson Hancock, uh, where do you think he projects out? Uh, where do you think his peak is? I guess I'll ask that. Well, I mean, you know, this is a premier arm, so your peak is you hope that you can get an ace out of this pick, but that's not a realistic uh, scenario because how many true aces are there in baseball? Um, you know, if you get a, a mid-rotation arm or a number two out of this guy, that's a very important arm to have. And I think that's a realistic scenario is seeing a mid-rotation arm with Emerson Hancock. And I know that, you know, for, for people that are unfamiliar with uh, prospects or the amateur thing, 
think realistically how many true aces or number twos there are in baseball right now and how long they last for that amount of time. So, you know, you could say that he could be an ace of of the staff or something like that. Uh, He could be a true number two in the future. But I think in the long run, you're looking at a mid-rotation arm, a true number three or something along those lines, which is very vital. Oh, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. I'll take that any day of the week. Because you're right, there are not many aces left in, in baseball these days. And you out home can, can you know think of the names that you want to think of. I can think of maybe two or three off just off the top of my head among all 30 teams, Taylor. Yeah, no, I mean, you got Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom. And it's like even a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's the best pitcher in baseball for near a decade, you know, do you really classify him as an ace anymore? So it's like how long, you know, it's about longevity as the, an ace and the top starter in the game. Um, one thing, you know, you, you have Emerson Hancock. You also have Logan Gilbert in the Mariners system. Right. And, you know, if you have two guys that are true number threes, that can become your true number two that's going to face off against Jacob deGrom or, or whoever it is in the American League. You know, uh, Garrett Cole, Zach Granke, those kind of guys. It may, you know, Zach Granke may be beyond his prime at that time, but those are the kind of guys that, you know, you have two guys that are real weapons in your rotation. Um, and I would actually put Hancock uh, above Gilbert. I know how much Mariners fans really like Logan Gilbert, and I like him too, but I think Emerson Hancock's a little bit better of a pitcher. If he's That's actually good to hear because I like Gilbert too. I liked what he did in the minor leagues last year, you know, just based on his numbers because I never saw him pitch in person. But based on the numbers that I saw out of the minor leagues, I think Gilbert had a very good season. And if Emerson Hancock can surpass even that as he develops, I think that's terrific news for the Mariners' future. Yeah, uh, these are, these are both top hundred prospects. I got to see Logan Gilbert, and this was a guy that was one of the better pitching prospects I saw last year. And if I went back and looked at my notebook, he might be the second or third best pitching prospect I saw last year. And you could add Mackenzie Gore to that list, who is the top uh, prospect in base or pitching prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not bashing on Logan Gilbert, or Logan Gilbert by any means. He's a very good pitcher. <laughs> oh no, I'm just taking it as a compliment to Hancock rather than a swipe yeah. at Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I like both of these guys. Um, One thing with Emerson Hancock, and it has to be noted, is the Trackman data is not as – it it wouldn't suggest a top 10 pick. The Trackman data does linger a bit behind what the eyeball test is going to give you. Um, For me, though, the fact that he's athletic and throws strikes, you know, yeah, the Trackman data is great to have, and it does kind of note why he was hit so hard in college early this year, why his strikeout numbers were – you know, par. He was striking out nine to ten per nine, which is very good. But when you're a top ten pick, you want to be up above that, and that's kind of why you see those things and why he fell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that early season performance and the Trackman data? But like I said, I mean, this is a top hundred prospect for me. This is a very, very good pitcher who I think has mid rotation upside, and I think is going to re- uh, be able to uh, uh, hit that mark. <laughs> Man, my my tongue got all twisted there, literally. Um, but you know, if this is a mid rotation arm, and you have Logan Gilbert, and you have other options that to fill your rotation, and you go and sign a guy, then the Mariners' rotation suddenly looks like a weapon. And you have Marcos or Marco Gonzalez as well for. What, two more years? Three more? Well, we'll see how this year goes. But what, two more years after this? I think four. Wow. I mean, heck, there's there's three mid-rotation guys sitting there right there, you know, within your organization already. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, 
Gonzalez, if he's, let's say he signs an extension for the sake of argument after this contract is up, and for the sake of argument, let's say that Hancock and Gilbert both hit their peak. That is a super solid rotation in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, you could fill in a fifth starter. Uh, you know, you go sign a, another arm, whether it's a, a high-end arm or even a mid-rotation arm, and then you go fill in the back of your rotation with someone from uh, your farm system, or you go sign a journeyman guy. Yeah. Heck, you know, suddenly suddenly the Mariners have a pretty <laughs> decent pitching staff. Uh, you got to worry about that bullpen, but right. that's where a lot of other things come into play. True, and as far as, uh, as, far as the rotation, maybe the Mariners can just try Paul Abbott again. But in any case... <laughs> hey, one, one big thing is you talk about relievers and yeah. the value of relievers. Jerry DePoto, baby. That guy loves his relievers. All right, fair enough. Very good. We are just about up on a break, which means it's time for the Mariners trivia question, which today is the following... Ken Griffey Jr. was the Mariners' first overall pick in 1987, but who was their second-round choice? Answer following a word from Postmates. If you're the type who starts thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch, then you will love using Postmates. You can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. For Postmates has created contact-free deliveries. So now when you order from your favorite local restaurants, everything gets left right outside your door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which allows you to order takeout from your favorite local restaurants. Postmates just doesn't deliver burgers, sushi, or chicken, however. They can actually make your life easier by picking up everything you need from the drugstore, grocery store, or convenience store of your choice and dropping it off right outside your door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get everything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Answer to the Mariners trivia question in the 1987 draft, the Mariners took Ken Griffey Jr. at number one overall. Their second selection, Taylor knows who this is. Who is it? It is Dave Burba, and the reason I know that is because he is from the Ohio State University. Uh, <laughs> didn't work out for the Mariners as great. I mean, he was a major leaguer for the Mariners, but pitched uh, pitched really well for the Indians in like the late 90s. Correct, he did. Mariners traded him to the uh, San Francisco Giants along with Mike Jackson, a very, very solid uh, back-end reliever, and Bill Swift, and in return got Mike Remlinger and <laughs> Kevin Mitchell. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. Uh-huh. More Locked on Mariners shortly. Now time for the second half of Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thanks once again, J.M. We are back here on Locked On Mariners talking about the Mariners draft and, you know, the newest Mariners, uh, I guess, uh, prospects or projects coming up through their minor league system. Here to do that with me is draft guru Taylor Blake Ward. We've discussed the first-round pick, Emerson Hancock, at length in the first segment. We're going to go through the Mariners' remaining five picks, two through five, including the compensation bonus pick B, or CBB, or kabubu. But we'll start with number two. (laughs) 
We'll start with number two. Uh, second round pick, uh, Zach Deloach out of Texas A&M. He is six foot one, two hundred ten pounds, left-handed hitter, right-handed thrower. And what can we say about Deloach, Mister Ward? A uh, very common theme among the Mariners' picks is a track record with wood bats. Um, a lot of guys that had strong performances on the Cape. Zach Deloach, not you know nothing flashy for me, just a, a premier college performer uh, who has a back a track record with wood bats. Uh, you know maybe a chance to stay in center field. I think that's kind of a luxury, but guys that's going to hit, maybe hits for average, maybe hits for power, um, a little bit more plate discipline above everything else. But when you have that track record and, and that discipline, that turns into a major league product, whether he's a an everyday regular or a fourth outfielder, I think is to be seen in the future. But, you know, nothing flashy, but a safe pick in the second round that I think is going to work for him. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, safe picks, track record with wood bats, that sounds like a winning pick to me. Now let's go to uh, CBB or the whatever the compensation, whatever the hell. Uh, this is Connor Phillips out of McLennan Community College in Texas, six foot two, one hundred ninety pounder, uh, right hander. What can we say about this dude? Uh, competitive balance uh, round B, and you can thank Bud Selig for that among other things. And uh, ignore the current commissioner, but Connor Phillips. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that in. That was fun to do. Um, Big-bodied kid, throws hard. Um, you know, that's kind of it. Just he He's a Juco kid that I think was one of the better uh, Juco players in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, throws plenty hard, mid-90s, high-90s. Um, needs to find more consistency with his second pitch. It, it's kind of like a, a lazy slurve at times, and sometimes it shows above average or plus. Um, but kind of a two-pitch guy. I think he's a reliever in the long run more than anything. But okay. uh, definitely, you know, uh, you get a hard-throwing guy with a secondary pitch, and you – throw him into your development staff, hoping you can start him. So he'll probably be a starter until he hits double A, triple A, and suddenly he's a reliever for the Mariners. And he's also about two years younger than the Mariners' other draft choices, too, so a little bit more development time, perhaps. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, uh, what, 19, 20 years old here? He's going to be, or he's 19 right now, uh, so there's some upside there. I mean, there's always upside when you take Juco kids, and especially ones that are on the younger side, first-year Juco kids, or whatever it may be, and um you know, McLennan uh, Community College is a very good JUCO program. I think people hear JUCO and they, they kind of think, you know, oh well, that's not Division One or even Division Two. No, McLennan Community College they could compete with a lot of Division Two programs in the nation. I mean, that's a very premier JUCO uh, down in Texas. Very, very cool. Let's move on to round three, and uh, this man was not even uh, ranked on MLB.com. However, the name is fami- familiar to me, and this is uh, Kaden Polkovich. And the first sentence right here, yes, he is the son of former big leaguer Kevin Polkovich, one of those obscure players from the late 90s that I am familiar with for reasons unbeknownst to me. Polkovich was a middle infielder shortstop for the Pirates. Why am I talking about his father? Caden Polkovich is the newest Mariner third-round pick. He is also a middle infielder. He's listed as a second baseman, left-handed hitter, as his father was. Five foot eight, 180 pounds, same body type as his father was. Anything to add to this man? Nope. You add on that uh, his dad is Kevin, and, and that is the player that I think a lot of people are expecting him to be, is a very similar player to his father. Um, kind of positionless, though. I think they listed him at second base because that's maybe his best potential position. Uh, you could maybe move him to third, maybe play him in the outfield a, a tick, but 
kind of just it's, it's bat over everything else. The bat is the calling tool uh, to get him to the majors and maybe a future utility guy. Um, you know, another guy with a track record in the Cape Cod and uh, another wood bat guy. But I think you nailed it with saying Kevin. I think that's the player that most people expect him to be. And it's always unfair to compare uh, sons to fathers. But I think this is one that I, I think most people feel pretty confident about and safe about is that very similar players. That and Kevin Polkovich was a useful Major League Baseball player, kind of a, a bench piece. He was a starter for a couple of years, as a matter of fact. But then again, that was the Pirates. He would probably would have been kind of like a super utility guy in any other team. But, you know, let's see how this plays out. And I'm also noticing here that he shares a birthday with my mother. So that is very ah, cool. February 21st. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, very similar profile to his father. Very similar. I mean, different players, but very similar. Excellent. In round four, the Mariners took a third baseman out of Ole Miss, Tyler Keenan, six foot four, two hundred forty pounds. So he's a big-bodied third baseman, another left-handed hitter. And uh, what can we say about Mr. Keenan? I think he's a future platoon first baseman. Uh, there's a lot of power. Gotta have. There's a lot of questions about how much he's going to hit as well. Um, so you know, you pair him up against righties at times and. Uh, he shows power. He can play third base, but he's just heavy-footed. I mean, he's really heavy-footed. and mm-hmm. He's a big kid, 6'4", 240. I mean, yeah, that's a yeah. big kid. And uh, I think he's a, a future platoon first baseman. And another item, you know, nothing wrong with it. There's a lot of safety in taking players like that that have the power, and you can get them into your development staff. And I think that if he becomes uh, more than a platoon player or even becomes a platoon player over at a corner, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good baseball player. Sure, and if for a fourth-round pick, you know, a platoon first baseman, you know, that's successful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Going to round five, the final round, we have a pitcher, a six foot three, 195-pound right-hander out of Cal Poly, Taylor Dollard. And let's uh, see what we can say about uh, Mr. Dollard. Uh, touch and feel guy. I actually got to see Taylor uh, last year. Um Touch and feel guy. I mean, in my notebook, I didn't write anything flashy, but I think he had a good performance there, and I think he also had a good performance throughout his college career at uh, in Central California, Cal Poly there. Um, you know, another uh, college organization that does well developmental-wise. Uh, you know, Mr. Lee up in Cal Poly does a great job, and more with the hitters, but you see a lot of pitchers coming out of this program, and this is a guy that's touch and feel. You know, it's throw strikes, uh performed well on the Cape. Shocker, again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he has he has two off-speed pitches that work and may be able to help him get out. It's more of a sinker pitcher. Like I said, you know, when I saw him, it was nothing flashy, and it's not like this guy was a standout to me, but there's a reason why he was drafted in the top five rounds, and as a junior, not as a senior. Right. Um, safe pick, throw strikes, could be, uh, you know, let's talk about Marco Gonzalez, Emerson Hancock, Logan Gilbert, and Taylor Dollard at the back end of that rotation, and uh, screw it, you know, the Mariners go sign um, Mackenzie Gore when he's a free agent. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. know? (laughs) I wish, but... uh... Yeah, Yeah, I think we all do. Mackenzie Gore is a very special player. I think any team would be very happy to have him, but you know, this is a guy that... um, Long run, you may be looking at a long relief arm or back rotation starter, up and down guy. Uh, but those guys make it, and those guys do well. Um, you saw a lot of pitchers very similar to him go in the fifth round, and eventually one of those guys is going to make out as 
one's going to become an all-star. One's going to become a everyday starter, a mid, uh, you know, mid rotation arm. One's going to be a back arm or back end arm. And a bunch of them are going to flame out. And Taylor Dollard is in that conversation. Oh, sure. sure. And, Another point that I'll bring up that I brought up on the last couple of shows when I was talking with Jason Hernandez, talking about the entire first round at large, is that this baseball draft is not an exact science. You know, it's a far cry from the NFL draft or the NBA draft, where they're signing kids and drafting kids who are going right to the top level and starting in many cases. Baseball is such a different beast, Taylor. Oh, monumentally. I mean, I've said this. I've been a guest on shows all week, and I keep coming back to this, but Kyler Murray. You take Kyler Murray first overall in the NFL draft, suddenly he is your starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, right? Right, yes. You take Spencer Torkelson first overall in the Major League Baseball draft, (laughs) he might be your first baseman next year, maybe. Right. It's like, you know, and there's a big maybe there. You take uh, Emerson Hancock with the sixth overall pick, Emerson Hancock might not be a Mariner for two years, maybe three years. Yeah, at least. Yeah, and, you know, it's like I, I've used Trey Young. You know, suddenly you have a new point guard for the Atlanta Hawks. You use Kyler Murray. He's suddenly the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. It's, you know, even guys that are taken in the seventh round in the NFL draft, suddenly they're role players on the NFL team. They're not even on the practice squad. They're on the, the actual roster of the team. You take someone in the seventh round of the MLB draft – you're not going to see him in the majors, maybe ever. You might not even see him in AAA for three, four years. Correct. Yeah. So, no, it's a monumental difference. And it just shows, uh, you know, I'm not knocking on football or basketball. They're very challenging things, especially to be a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of shows how hard it is to be a professional baseball player. It's it, Exactly. And it's such a different system. It's just, it, just the way things are structured is very, very different. And I'll go back to another point that – these late round kids that we were just talking about in baseball, it only went five rounds this year. What's how how long does it ordinarily go? I know it's changed over the years. Uh, upwards, uh, well, more recently it was fifty rounds. Um, that was more in the late two thousand, uh, late two thousands. It's been forty rounds for quite some time now. Uh, forty rounds, obviously five rounds this year, which is outrageously small and ridiculous. Um, Next year, there's rumors that maybe 20 rounds, maybe around 20, which I think is, depending on the status of baseball, I think maybe relatively okay. I think in a perfect world, 30 rounds, because you get into the 30 through 40 rounds, you start seeing guys that are just taken for the conversation's sake. You take a high schooler you know is going to college, and you're just having that conversation about the organization saying, look, in three years, we want to have the same conversation, but you sign. Uh, you're seeing Johnny Manziel get drafted. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if Trey we, Griffin. yeah, I, I think if we got to a point where, and it's great, you get to reward those kids. Jonah Depoto, another oh guy God. that was drafted in the thirty-somethingth round. And I think the big thing is if you cut it down to thirty rounds, you get teams saying, okay, we cannot take a Johnny Manziel. We've got to capitalize on every pick. And even if our thirtieth rounder never makes it out of rookie ball at least we feel confident that this is a professional baseball player. We feel confident in the pick. And I think you get into some of those later rounds, even though we see some success out of that. We see Jared Walsh with the Angels, a 39th round pick, and he's uh, he's a piece for the Angels here. So yeah, I think, but, you know, maybe in a different, in a 30 round draft, he is your 30th round pick as opposed to your 39th. And you feel a bit more confident just going after the players that you like and not really, uh, beating around the bush during some of the draft. 
And a big thing for me is, you know, yeah, I'd love to have 50 rounds again. I'd love to have every opportunity for every player, amateur player, to become a professional baseball player. But obviously, Rob Manfred is going to eliminate 40 teams here next year, 40 minor league teams, 1,000-some roster spots gone throughout minor league baseball. Right. So, sadly, realistically, I think we are going to have to cut some of the draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the late round pick that I keep going back to is Mike Piazza, 62nd round pick. And that was kind of one of those picks that was kind of a favor to his family that wound up working out. Doesn't yeah. happen often. No, I mean, we were talking about it with Mike Piazza in the 62nd round. I think Albert Pujols was a 13th round pick. Um, you're going to have some freak scenarios. You're yeah, going to have. Was, some, he was know, a Juco kid, was he not? He was out of St. Louis. Yep. Yep, and there was some teams that really liked him. Miami really liked him, and um, there's a lot of really cool stories when you go back and look at teams that had desire in signing Albert Pujols, and it's like Miami liked him. I think the Rangers liked him a lot, and suddenly he's a Cardinal, and he's the best player in baseball for a decade. (laughs) And, you know, the voodoo Cardinals, but at the same time, you know, it's exciting to see – that yes, maybe this kid that's taken in the fifteenth round can be a future Hall of Famer, the the greatest player in baseball. More than more likely, he's going to flame out in single A. But mm-hmm. you know, you lose that opportunity with five rounds. And that's, that's true. let's say we got one All Star out of the top, the you know, the team picks this year. Let's say yeah. that we went in twenty rounds, and ten years down the road, we got one All Star. That organization that took that player, I mean, props to the scout. Props the organization, but we don't have that luxury. Not this year, at least. No, no. Screw Manfred. <laughs> Edit that out. I dare you. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm leaving that in, if unless you want me to get rid of it. Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> All right. On that high note, we're going to call it a day. <laughs> Taylor, thanks again for joining us. Uh, where can the nice people find you on Twitter, and how can they listen to your show? Uh, yeah, check us out, LockdownAngels.com, here on Tlopin, the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you, DC, for that one. Trademark, hashtag uh, Tlopin. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter, at Taylor Blake Ward. And, uh, you know, the nice people and not-so-nice people can follow me, but uh, we'll have fun with that. So, DC, man, this was a blast. It's always fun chatting with you. And uh, it's fun. You know, we got to talk about Dave Barber there and, um, we always seem to bring up one obscure pitcher that yes. had a pretty good career out of nowhere, and we don't realize it. So, uh, mm-hmm. Frank Tanana forever, baby. I was going to say, Dave Berber is certainly no Frank Tanana, but we, no. we got some we got our money's worth out of him today. We did. We did. The Ohio State University. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, next time on Locked on Mariners, I will be joined by guest panelist Dr. Johnny Fever, Daffy Duck, and a speed bump. I'm not sure what the topic is going to be, but I'm sure the four of us will have a wonderful conversation that you will not want to miss right here on Locked On Mariners. In the meantime, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app your brain head can think of. Follow this program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. We shall be back either tomorrow or Thursday. I'm actually not quite sure at this point, but in the meantime, I do hope that you have a wonderful day and happy birthday Riley this is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners part of the Locked On Podcast Network ask your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball upon the conclusion of this program